Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and leave some feedback. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for being here. I want to thank Brian Dwyer, President, REA, Robert Edward Auctions, for being on Thursday's episode. He brought so much great information to the interview, and if you missed any part of it, definitely go back and give it a listen. And uh, go to their website, check out the auction. Uh, I know he said it runs through March 19th. Happy Selection Sunday. Once a year, right? March Madness, Big East Tournament. In Connecticut, we're so excited, right? Our our Yukon Huskies are back to their winning ways. They did not win the Big East, uh, but they... Uh, they didn't get beat up. They went out in a close game. Uh, and now uh, we'll be waiting tonight for the uh, to see where they end up in the tournament. So it's always nice when you have a when you have a hometown team in the tournament and ranked I'm sure gonna be ranked pretty high. I, I would at least at least four, I mean it could be five, but I would think around four, four or five they should be ranked. So we'll wait and see on that one. As advertised, I went to the Philly show this weekend with uh, Rob, sports card therapist, and I'm not going to talk directly about the show today. Uh, on Thursday's episode, Rob will be on for another collaboration episode, uh, and we're going to be breaking down the Philly show as well as some other great topics. Um, so looking forward to that. A whole new respect for those of you who carry the large Zion case around at big shows. Uh, I have a large Zion case. I go to the small shows, you know, the local shows, um, not a big deal. And it's usually pretty full, but preparing to go to Philly, knowing I was going to be walking around with this case. I took a bunch of cards out, just cards. I just didn't think um, I needed to carry with me at, uh, at the Philly show. So I had, reduced my weight a little bit, you know, shredded off some weight off of that case. And man, it is not easy lugging that case around that show for all that time. So definitely a whole new respect for those. And I see people that have bigger cases than what I have and they come and they open them up and they've got twice as many cards. I don't know that, that, that is a lot, a lot of work and a lot of work. Oh, you know what the best part about having that case was, though? When I got tired, I mean, there was no really nowhere to sit sit in there. So when I got tired, I'd find a little spot on the wall. I'd put my case down and I'd sit on top of it. That was the best part of having having a case, a big case, durable enough to uh, support me sitting on it. So, uh, it was a long day. It was six hours of driving, three down, three back. Um we had some snowy weather here Friday night into Saturday morning. Uh, not too bad. We had a little bit of snow by the time we hit uh, 
you know, southern southern Connecticut, New York, New York border. It was just all rain. So it was it was an easy drive. It's just long. It's a long day um, when you put six hours in driving. How, how often do you usually do that? Right. Um, it was a great crowd at the show. Was able to meet up with some uh, hobby friends. Uh, shout out uh, fellow Wolfpack members, cousin Oz and cousin Tony, cousin Collectibles. I uh, also got to meet the commish. Uh, he's at Irish Flyers Collector. Um, first time meeting him. Saw sports card dad, uh, Reservoir Sports Cards, Tyler Santiago, uh, the Cardboard Collaborative. My my old neighbor ran into him there. And I don't know if you follow him. If you don't, go over and give him a follow and check out. Uh, he posted up a video this morning, uh, day one of the Philly show. It was, it was fantastic. It was a great little video. Um, go over and check that out. And I'm sure he's going to have, uh, I know he was there today as well. So I'm sure there's going to be a part two to it. Um, and just, you know, shout out to everyone else I saw there. It's just a good day going around and, and, you know, seeing people. And of course I wear my shirt with, you know, sports card lessons podcast on it. And then people come up to me, they recognize me. Hey, how's it going? Great, great pod podcast, you know, keep up the good work. So, I mean, all that, I love all that. And it's just great and great to talk to so many different people. And it was just great for me to kind of get out of my area. I'm not going to say my comfort zone because I'm willing to travel anywhere. Uh, but my area, it was great just to get out of my area, saw a lot of new dealers and a lot of new people. So it was just fun. Um, today's episode, what's the big deal with low pop cards? So after purchasing some low pop Alexander Ovechkin and Mike Tyson cars, I've realized a few things that I want to share with you today. Um, and this is a lesson I fully understood after the fact, and that happens to us, right? Um, I knew when I was purchasing the cards at the time, what I was purchasing, but didn't realize how important some of those purchases actually were going to be, you know, and, and for instance, you, you hear this all the time. People say, oh, you know, I, I just bought this card and it's a PSA, whatever, or a BGS and it's a pop and you throw a number out there. But a lot of times when I was doing this, I knew it just said that this card, there were less of this card, that lower the pop, the better it would be, which is good. I mean, it's good for a card, but it never really sank in. I, you know, I, and I don't want to sound like I, I'm oblivious to this because I'm not, but it just never really, never realized how important that was going to be. And moving forward with my PC and my collection, how important that was going to be. Um, so that's why I just want to bring it to you today. Cause I think we all, we all take certain things in the hobby. Maybe I, I don't even want to say it's for granted, but I think sometimes we go through the motion and sometimes we're saying things and we know what we're saying, but we just don't know how important they are. Uh, and when I really started thinking about the, these low pop cards that I have, and I started talking to people and I started putting them in my case um, and people seeing these and they start to look them up and they can't find any information on them. Uh, I started to realize how important that is uh, as a collector, but even more importantly, as a dealer. So 
where do we find these cards? How do we get these cards? Right. You know, we, 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 most of the time we're purchasing or trading up into these cards. Right. But low pop cards come in, in many ways, right? There could be cards that are very limited cards. There was only a couple of the cards to begin with, or there could have been like a, a huge and abundant amount of these cards that the production was just so bad, right? So bad that only a, a handful of these cards, you know, got, got a, you know, a, a high, let's say a PSA 10, right? We'll just throw that out there. So if you see, um, you know, PSA nine, there's like 1500 or 2000 PSA nines, and there's like 35 PSA tens, right? Well, you, you kind of get an idea that you're probably not going to find many PSA tens out there that the production of the card was probably just not good. And therefore there's very few tens of this card. So that's the easy way, right? That's the easy way to get this card and identify how much it is, right? So you go out and, and there's going to be other tens and people are going to be selling tens or they'll be selling nines and we can take the nine and we can base the price off the nine. Any way we do it, we all have a different way of doing it, but you know, somehow we, we, we seem to come up with, uh, with a way of doing it. Um, but if we want to get that PSA 10 of that card, right, we're going to have to pay a premium on it. And, and we understand that we're going to have to pay a premium and even more of a premium if it's a card that uh, very few are getting a 10 grade on. Um, but how do you comp a low pop card that is not an abundant card like that? Um, we all hope right? That there's recent comps of the same card that we can pull it up. Um, I know sometimes we try to find the similar card of another player, right? And try to figure out what, what, you know, what a decent comp would be on something like that. Um, and we have to, tr we, we must trust legitimate comps, right? But we have to know which comps are legitimate and which comps aren't legitimate. And if you're like me, you're starting to find out these shows that there, there are a lot of, you know, comps out there that are untrue, that all of a sudden they're just showing up on eBay and you'll be like, all of a sudden there was, you know, this particular card hadn't been sold in a while. And then there's a sale for say a thousand dollars. And then all of a sudden you see that and you're like, oh, wow, that just sold like a week ago or two weeks ago. And then you pull it up but you realize it's the same card. So did this person just buy this card or did this person create this comp on this card, hoping that somebody else is going to see it and, and, and pay that comp on the card, which may not be a legitimate comp on the card. Right. Um, and I say, an actual comp, a legitimate comp. And I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. And, and with respect, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to stop there on that. I'm not going to continue going on on what, what I think happens on the back end of that. Um, so if you're just looking at a recent sale, uh, is the card graded? Can you look up, can you open it up, you know, take a picture of it and compare, you know, the, the, the grading serial number on the card. And I'm just going to say, you know, this happens an awful lot. 
and I do this more than most because I kind of got burned in a situation like this where there was a, a created comp and I based a purchase off that comp and then realized later on that that, that comp was more of a made-up comp, right? So I, I dig a little deeper. And if there's only one comp on that card, then and that's the only comp and I, and I, I get that gut feeling and that little suspicion that something's off. I'm not interested in the card. I'll just move on. I don't need a card that bad. Um, I like to, to be able to check serial numbers. I usually don't buy many raw cards, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, I don't want to say that I'm a graded snob, but I think I'm a graded snob. And I'm not saying that, that I want everything graded because I grade tons of cards. But the cards that I'm grading, that I'm purchasing, uh, I'm not going to be out buying on eBay. I'm not going to, they're not cards that, they're not cards that I don't know where they came from. Let's kind of put it that way. And, and for me, if I'm buying a card, especially if a card that, and I talked about this last week um, with with Brian on the interview, you know, there's so many cards that uh, could be frauds out there that I'm afraid to buy cards that um, could be fraudulent, right? And And here's the thing. We all think the more expensive the card, the more fraudulent it could be. But if you think about it, we the more expensive the card, the more we really dive into this card, the more we want to get, we're putting more money out for this card. We want to be sure we're getting the absolute, what we're getting and at the absolute best price and so many absolute other things. And if you're buying a, $5 card, a $10 card, a $20 card, something like that. Uh, wouldn't it be easier just to make that card fraud more fraudulent than the other cards? Because how many of those cards we actually look at? How many cards we really taking into consideration? We're not looking at it as hard because they're not as expensive. So just keep that in mind. I'm not saying there's tons of fraud cards out there, but this is the way my mind goes. This is the way I think, especially when I'm buying cards. I like to get, and I like to buy cards that, you know, are already graded, already, you know, verified and, you know, hope for the best on them. Right. That's all I can say. Just, you know, hope for the best on them. Um, when we're looking, when we're looking at cards and we want to comp the cards, we need to, we need to see, I need to see more than one comp on a card. I mean, I want to see more than one comp on a card. And if I don't, um, it's time to go to work, especially if I'm interested in this card. Um, and if the card is said to be low pop, right? You will see this all the time. We go to a show, we'll see online, hey, this card's a pop two, this card's a pop four, right? And here's the price. Well, we can easily check that. You know, we can certainly go check that, right? We can go to the uh, the grading website of whoever graded the card. They'll give us a pop count on it. Um, the uh, the alt app, if you use that, that'll give you the info. They'll give you the pop count. And, and it'll also give you 
you know, some recent sales and, and more recently they're adding the auction sales to that too. So, uh, you know, if a card was sold on say PWCC recently, those will show up on all as well. So it gives you, you know, a little bit more, it's looking around, it's giving you a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more information. You can see what some recent cards have sold for, what cards are for sale, what you could buy them out, buy them at, and you can go look, look them up. You know, um, the only, the only downfall to all, if it's a low pop card and there hasn't been any activity on that card, um, their algorithm gets a little funny with that. And then next thing you know, like I have a card that, you know, I, I just, I, I think I know the value, right? I, I just know the value is at a, at a certain area, but I, if I pick a picture of that on alt, it'll come back and it'll say the card's worth $104. What, what, what is this? You know, it's absolutely wrong. And I've seen this before. I've gone out and I've just seen some banger cards at a show. I'd be like, oh my God, that is such a beautiful card. And then I would take a picture of it. I'd look at all and it'd say, oh, it's $67. I'm like, okay, close the app. You know, it's just, they're not going to, it's not going to give me the proper information if it's got nothing to base it on. And I understand that I, it would be easier if they just said, nope. We have zero. We we can't give you any information. Instead, they come up with some funny numbers. And I, a few times in all, I've seen no. We don't we don't have information. But most time, it's just like a funny funny number. So if you go there and you see this kind of crazy number, you'll know you'll have to start looking elsewhere to get some uh, to get some information. I have a Josh Allen RPA. It's number to ten, uh, and it's graded. And I know it's a pop too because I can look it right up on the website. Um, and the other one uh, it has been listed on eBay for a while, but the one on eBay is listed as a pop one. Uh, so when people come to my table, when I'm set up at a show, they'll see the card, they'll take a picture of it and they'll look and they'll say, oh, I see, I see it's online. I see your card online. And I'll say, no, 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 um, that's, that's not my card. Um, and that person is asking $7,000 for the card. Uh, and usually the customer will say to me right away is, well, if it's the same exact card with the same exact grade. Why are they asking seven, 7,000 and you're only asking 3,500, um, half the price. And later in this episode, I'm going to answer that question. Why they're able to do that. Number four, you need to do your research or trust who you are buying the card from. That is a big word in this hobby, trust. Um, I purchased my card from someone uh, that I had trust in, right? My low pop cards. And I know I probably paid a premium, um, but I don't think I paid any more of a premium or any more of a markup than any other card that person would have sold. And I know this person pretty well. I don't know them enough to say, hey, what did you pay for this card for them to give me that answer? But you have to find people in this hobby you can trust, whether it's people you're gonna buy cards from or it's people you wanna go to for information on cards you wanna buy. You have to find people that you can trust in in the hobby and let them give you you know, what their best advice is on it 
or let them say, hey, I've got this card. I know you're looking for this card. And, and I think it becomes, you know, part of the hobby that we start to find ourselves becoming closer with the people that collect the same stuff we do. Um, more messaging online, following online. They're posting a picture. I'm posting a picture. I want to see what they have. They want to see what I have. doesn't mean that we're, you know, at, at a friendship level that we're hanging out on the weekends or we're traveling to shows or anything like that. It just means that we've become hobby friends enough that we can discuss the cards we like, what we think, and, and enough just to trust in each other and, and what our opinions are on things. Um, and I think we need that. You need that in the hobby because without that in the hobby, if you don't have anybody you can trust, you, you're really, you're, you're buying blind. You're, you're buying things, especially these low pop cards that there's not a lot of information on. You have no idea. You have no idea, you know, what the value should be on this card. And I know when I started out, uh, I shouldn't say start out, when I jumped back into the hobby, I know I was buying some cards that I really liked and I just was doing some quick searches and say, oh yeah, that comp seems to be, you know, pretty close and, uh, you know, buying the card and then realizing that, yeah, no, I, I overpaid on the card. Um, so that sent me down a path to, to really watch what I was doing, really find people around me that I can ask, find people I could trust, find people I could say, hey, is this a good deal? What do you know about this card? Do you think it's a good deal? And I could tell you there was probably more things I didn't buy than I did just starting to ask the people I started to trust in the hobby to say, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And if you're buying from somebody, like I said, um, you're going to have, you're going to develop people in, within Whatever it is, if it's football, if it's hockey, if it's soccer, whatever it is, you're going to, you know, find people that you're going to develop relationships with and it's going to be easier to purchase a card. And they're also going to know what cards you're looking for, right? That they'll say, hey, I saw this card or they'll send you a message or send you somebody's story sale saying, I know you're looking for this card. I think this is a good price or I know this guy. I could vouch for this guy. You know, he's he's a pretty good dude, like that type of thing. So you need to just find some trust in the hobby when you're doing this. Um, and then it brings us to the price. Right. I mean, the price is pr the most important thing. And I've talked I talked about buying cards from my PC and saying, if the price is not, you know, exactly on, I'm okay because I'm going to hold on to these cards. Right. And some of these very low pop cards where they were maybe a pop five or a pop eight, where I saw one or two surface over the last few months. And I looked at the prices and I went back to look what I paid and it was very close in price which also allows me to somewhat put more trust in the person I bought these cards from saying they were pretty close and, and, and I made a good deal. But what happens if I have a card that has zero comps across all platforms? It's a pop one, a pop two, or a pop five of a player you really can't compare to others. 
And, and I'll bring up a guy like Mike Tyson, like a Mike Tyson card. I mean, there are other boxer, boxers, but who are you going to compare like a certain card of his to in that set? Right. And, and, and like an Alex Ovechkin too. I mean, who do we have now in hockey that's put in as many years as him who is chasing the, you know, the scoring record. How can we say, okay, here's, here's this card. That's an Alex Ovechkin. And we have another card as of another player, but what's the caliber of those players. You really can't compare because one of those cards, you know, the, the comparable player that you can find, right. The card may be worth a hundred dollars where the Ovechkin card may be worth $5,000 or $3,000 or, or, or whatever. I mean, so, I mean, what what are the prices on these low pop cars that we really can't find any information on? I mean, are they five, five hundred, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty five thousand? Well, here's the beauty of these low pop cards: the price is whatever I'm willing to sell it for, and whatever someone's willing to pay for it. That's the best part of the, 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 the these rare low pop cards. Um, because unless another one comes up on auction or somewhere else, or it's it, you, you can pull that comp up, it is whatever I'm selling it for, um, and whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Which brings me back to the question earlier about the other person selling the Josh Allen RPA on eBay for seven thousand dollars, right? So he could put that for $107,000, right? I don't know if anybody that nobody's bought it at seven K they're not going to buy it any at any more, right? Because people are like, okay, well, we know we can, we can compare certain Josh Allen cards and know that this card, you know, whoever made this card, uh, the XR card say is, is going to be within this price range. 7,000 seems too much. He's saying it's a pop one. I know it's a pop two, but until he sells his online or I sell mine somewhere that it's recorded online, the price is what we is what we decide to sell it for. That's what really what it comes down to. Um, and this all started because I was tired of being at shows and having cards in my case. And having people just dealer shop all around a room for a certain card. And I would show up and I'd be all excited to have, you know, this Joe Burrow card or this Justin Herbert card. And then I'd walk around and I'd say, okay, yeah, he's got one. Um, um, my price is pretty good. Oh, he has one over there too. He's a little more than me. Oh, he has one too. Right. And then I started thinking, man, how's this going to work out? Because the person that comes in and sees mine is going to start going to all of us. And I talked about this and, we're, and they're going to work us and they're going to work us and figure out what price they can get the best, you know, but to me, it's like wasting time. It's wasting time having these cards because if I don't have some magical place to go buy these at, you know, way that, that much under comps that I can start selling these things at 70% or 75% then I'm not going to be selling them. I'm going to have less sales at, at shows, right? So if I'm going to have less sales at shows, I'd rather have less sales at shows, but cards that are very low pop and rare cards and the only ones like it in the room, the only ones like it in the room, they can come and say, wow, that is a beautiful card. And I'd really like to own one of those cards. And whether they buy it there or they walk away, when they walk away, I say to myself, if you want to own one of these cards, the only place you're going to buy it in this room is from this guy. 
right? And 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 to me, it, it's creating another lane in the hobby, but it's a good lane, right? It's a lane that I want to be in. Um, I'm not. I don't need to be fighting price fighting with everybody else in the room over a similar card. Um, I talked about this happening at the uh, Mohegan Sun show. There were three of us that all had that Brady BGS nine, all had the same exact card with the same exact grade, right? And there was two people that kept coming around. Well, so-and-so will do this and this guy will do that. And after the first guy came around, I knew both the other two guys that had this card. Go figure, right? And I talked to this guy and he says, I'm not selling mine for less than that. And I talked to the other guy and I felt the same way. Let's just let's just sit on it. You know, why why should we give this card away? Because most of us are into this card for more than what the current comp is. Um and in this case, that worked out, right? That worked out. Did it work out? I, I you know, I guess one of us could have could have said, you know, we're gonna sell it cheaper. I wasn't, I I didn't do that and I didn't plan on doing that. It's one of those cards that I'd rather just hold on to than take a loss on. Um, you know, I was at the Philly show this weekend and I was finding some cards. I'm like, wow, this card's pretty nice, but it's it's my whole new way of of buying cards. I'm taking pictures of these cards and I'm looking up the pop counts and I'm realizing, wow, this card is so nice. And then it's you know in the thousands and two thousands of a pop count. I'm like, it's nice, but not that nice. I, I can't see spending all this money on a card because if there's that many of those cards, it just takes one person to sell that card uh, at a discount and, and it hurts everybody else. Um, so I'm really being picky about what I'm picking up now um, to uh, to put in my cases. And I talked a few weeks ago about getting ready for national. Uh, you know, I've put, I put a plan in place and I'm following, I'm going to follow the plan. I want to put, I want to bring cards out there and hopefully, you know, I'm the only guy that has those cards, even at national on a national stage. Right. I want to be that card that, that, that guy that has those, you know, only those cards. So people come around and they'll remember. And if they need, if they want to buy that card, they're going to have to come back and buy it. Uh, Recently, I've been picking up um, XRCs uh, for to to go to national, and um, I've been getting some really good prices on them. And I don't mind buying those online right now if I can get a really good price because. I talked about having strong hands and holding these cards until national, not even bringing them to shows, just buying them and putting them away. Um, by the time three, four or five months comes, my comp will be long buried. My sale will be long buried uh, that people will never go back that far to uh, to look up a comp or, or not to look it up, but go back to find you know, what I actually paid for that card. And I'm hoping, and there's no guarantee, there's no guarantee in anything. And I'm hoping because I know where these prices were at. I know what I'm getting them for now. And I know immediately what other ones are selling for. Uh, I figured out somewhat of a way to be that guy on eBay that's getting a couple really good deals. Uh, so I'm pretty happy about that. And they're cards that I'm just going to be putting away and they won't come out till Chicago. So we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, remember Thursday's episode with Rob Gerard, sports card therapist. That's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like, 
definitely subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. And until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you.